Hello and welcome to another edition of the First in Orange podcast, your NFL podcast presented by the Denver Post. I'm Nick Kosmider alongside my incomparable colleague, Nikki Javala. Nikki, welcome back. Thanks. Good to be back. <laughs> yeah, so um, obviously this is uh, sort of the dead time in sports. Uh, the NBA is in a dead period. Spring training kind of just started. Um, but the NFL is starting to get toward um, kind of the, what we can view as really that off-season starting point. The mm-hmm. Combine uh, will be heading out to Indianapolis on Tuesday. That goes through the rest of next week. Mm-hmm. Um, almost immediately after that is when we start the free agency, mm-hmm. uh, that which rolls into the draft. This is kind of kind of an exciting time where we're going to finally start figuring out some of the things that will will be uh, what the Broncos look like in 2018. Yeah, yeah, they got some big markers ahead of them. I, I think the Senior Bowl was the first step. Um, the East-West Shrine game, too. But, you know, this is where it really begins at the combine. I mean, the Broncos have, um, since John Elway joined the front office, this is where they found the majority of their draft picks. So um, this is where we'll start to see who they're interested, who maybe they're not interested in. Um, you know, we'll, we'll talk to John Elway and Vance Joseph while we're, at, while we're out there to get a better feel of, you know, what they're looking for among draft prospects as well as free agents. Um, and the Broncos of 2018 will start to come into view. Yeah, you, you wrote you had a great piece um, over the weekend about that, the fact mm-hmm. that, and, and obviously a lot of teams get a lot of their picks from the combine mm-hmm. because that's where the best players are, but the Broncos mm-hmm. sort of specifically um, ha- have really, really used this as a, as a measuring stick for how they're going to create their draft board. And, and, and obviously, as you mentioned, too, the, the, the fact that they were at the Senior Bowl and got to see these guys ahead of time, um, how do you think that will play into their plan of attack for next week in Indianapolis? Well, I think it gives them a huge advantage because you got to remember they've already not only coached, but they've had access to more than 50 prospects um, going into the draft from their week at the Senior Bowl. So, you know, each team is allotted a maximum of 60 interviews, and these interviews are only 15 minutes. So you, there's only so much you can ask these guys. But by having all that time in Mobile, Alabama, they can spread out those interviews to guys they know less about, um, which is a huge advantage because typically, um, you know, most teams, they they try to talk to a, you know select guys, and then the ones they know less about but are still intrigued by, they, they bring out for visits in Dove Valley. Um, whereas now this just gives the Broncos that much more opportunity to meet with these players, to get to know them, um, you know, just to, and what they can do on the field, but also off the field, which is an important piece. Um, so they go into this with, you know, along with the Texans, the other team that coached in the Senior Bowl, they go into this with a tremendous advantage, I think. Um, I, that might add more pressure in that, you know, if you don't really get some good results out of this class, um, especially after the lackluster performances of last year's class, um, they could face some heat. But, um, you know, they they have they have a lot of information at their disposal right now. So I, I would imagine um, this this week is extremely important for them. Yeah, I mean, and I think you probably look at it as, as particularly a chance maybe to, to get a, um, you know, to get a better view of, of maybe guys would be selected in the later rounds because the the, the guys you pick mm-hmm. early on, you're probably still going to want to meet with them even if you've right. if you've talked to them already. But the idea that maybe a guy that you wouldn't have had time for or, or the room for, like you said, otherwise, mm-hmm. that's an opportunity to get a look at a guy who, you know, later in the rounds, which we've seen so many players come right. through that part of the draft who have who have made a big impact a, a, as playmakers. So, yeah, you would think that it can mm-hmm. only it can only be helpful. Um, 
you know, obviously this will be the, the chance too next week is, is the Broncos. You mentioned the Senior Bowl. They got a lot of face time with Baker Mayfield, mm-hmm. Josh Allen, two guys that we know just simply from um, sort of the comments of, of John Elway and, and Vance Joseph and the rest of the Broncos staff that um, are two guys that, they're, that they liked a lot, that they, they liked the time that they got to spend with them. They liked what they saw from them in practices and, and during the game. Um, but now you get you get eyes on two more guys, and that's Sam mm-hmm. Darnold and, and Josh Rosen, the two quarterbacks from USC. What, what do you think um, is going to be, I guess, the plan in terms of how they're really going to evaluate these quarterbacks next week? I think it'll be sort of the same type of thing that they did um, in the Senior Bowl. I mean, they'll have less ac- less access, less time with the guys, but you know, it'll be getting to know these guys off the field, um, testing their knowledge of the game in those in those interviews, seeing how they perform. Um, with their drills and whatnot, and then deciding if they want to bring them back out to Dub Valley. Again, um, the issue with the NFL schedule is you have the combine, and then you go right into free agency, then you jump back to the draft stuff. So a lot of what they see here at the combine is information gathering, Um, and then what they do in free agency, that could completely change how they approach the draft. Like, if they pursue Kirk Cousins like they're expected to do, they end up getting Kirk Cousins. You know, they may not go for a Josh Rosen um, with number five if he's even still available by number five. They may use it on another position um, to, to kind of build around this high-priced free agent quarterback. So um, a, a lot of what we see the Broncos do, a lot of what we hear about the Broncos doing at the Combine, um, uh, needs to be taken into context because there's still more ahead, um, and, and this could change drastically right. over the next few weeks. So I, I think as they're evaluating the guys, they're they're looking for the same thing that they do each year. I mean, who is who is the best fit for them for their system? And, and they've said all along they they want to find a system that adapts to the player, yeah. not vice versa. But they also want to find a guy who has the full package or as close to it as he possibly can with, you know, the, the on-field work, um, who, who's the right leader. They need an offensive leader desperately. Um, you know, who's a guy that can carry them, you know, in the next few years? Who They might want a guy that can start immediately. They might want a guy who might need a couple, uh, like a year or so to develop, but will actually develop. Yeah. Um, so they, they could be looking for a number of things and – like I said, that that could fluctuate. Yeah, um, and and I think we, we we talked last week when we when we, I think we both had the idea that if the Broncos are to sign Kirk Cousins in free agency, um, I think we both well I, I I remember I said at least that I don't think it would be likely in that scenario that the Broncos would use that number five pick on a quarterback simply because you have signed a twenty nine year old to a big contract who you believe is going to be your future for. You know, for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's talk a little bit about that flip side and say that, um, you know, let's just assume that the Broncos don't sign or let's just pretend the Broncos don't sign Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. Um, then you're in a situation where you're probably still in pursuit of a veteran quarterback, mm-hmm. whether it be A.J. McCarron, who since the last time we talked, uh, won his grievance with the with the league and became an unrestricted free agent. Um, potentially Case Keenum, if, if the, the Vikings don't hold on to him, Sam Bradford, uh, you know Tyrod Taylor. This is sort of the pool of guys. Um, if the Broncos don't get Kirk Cousins in free agency, let's say he goes somewhere like the Jets, how does how does that plan start in your mind after that? Well, I think it, it changes a lot, but 
I still think they have a number of contingency plans. Like, let's go back to the Kirk Cousins scenario. Say they get Kirk Cousins. Um, you look back at what they did in 2012 when they landed Peyton Manning, who I, there was some uncertainty, obviously, with his recovery from neck injury. You're not sure how long he's going to be Peyton Manning, as he's always known. Um, and, and they draft Brock Osweiler in the second round. Would they keep that model going this going in, into this year where they sign a high-priced free agent quarterback and then maybe find his future in the second round or so. They might do that. That plan didn't really work out for them in 2012 right. for, for different reasons too, but I, I'm not sure Brock Osweiler, as we found out, would have been the right guy to succeed Peyton Manning. So do they use it on a first-round pick um, and say, you know, this kid is going to wait a bit, but – we, we know we have something good. And anyway, a quarterback is worth his weight in gold. So yeah. um, so they, they could do that. Uh, it's not completely off the table, but you would think they want to use that number five spot for um, something to build around. So um, sticking with the Kirk Cousins, um, that prospect, I, I, I would kind of like to see him fill out the offensive line. That's been a problem for, geez, at least five years running now right. where they've shuffled guys in and out. They really haven't found some – you know, real cohesion because of injury, performance, whatnot. So I think it would be great if you could find another offensive lineman, especially if you're not going to find that guy in, in free agency. Like if Nate Soldier decides to retire and, you know, you don't get that help on the right side of the line. I would also like to see him get a playmaker. Now, if they don't get Kirk Cousins, I say if you get like a Case Keenum type, if you were to look at A.J. McCarron, I would like to see him get a playmaker because you want to take some weight off the quarterback you know you're not gonna have what I guess is deemed the 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 higher echelon of right. quarterback play so find somebody who can really take you know the weight off the quarterback I would love to see him go after Saquon Barkley honestly mm-hmm. let's we saw the value of a true playmaker in like Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey last year why not find somebody who can do that for the Broncos yeah yeah and it's it's sort of like the um, you can really see it going both ways in my mind <laughs> I look at like kind of what the Chicago Bears did last year. Mm-hmm. Like so, they they signed in, in free agency. They signed Mike Glennon to mm-hmm. to a big contract, but that contract, um, I think all all if not most of the guaranteed money came in the first year, mm-hmm. and then they turned around and drafted with the number two pick overall, Mitch Trubisky. So mm-hmm. the kind of thought was, oh well, you spent all this money on Mike Glennon, um, and then you draft a guy. But to me, it was um, almost an insurance plan of. Maybe we sign Mike Lennon. He really is a guy mm-hmm. who maybe like a Case Keenum in this mm-hmm. year's class who who really could be the guy for us for several years. Um, but if he's not, we had the money mm-hmm. for that year, and then we drafted a guy early, mm-hmm. and, and they think he's probably mm-hmm. – Trubisky now got to play midway through that first se- uh, season and is now their guy of the future. Mm-hmm. To me, if they don't draft Kirk Cousins, mm-hmm. um, I think that you do – or if they don't sign Kirk Cousins rather and they sign – you know, mm-hmm. a Keenum-type guy or Bradford-type guy, then they do need, in my estimation, to get that quarterback um, because then you've sort mm-hmm. of given yourself a better chance right. of succeeding at that position. So you're kind of using the the second-tier quarterback as a bridge to the yeah, future, right? right, which I they've th- tried, right? Right, I mean, right. They was, thought they had that in, like, Mark Sanchez, right, but that right. obviously didn't they work get, out. Yeah, exactly. They gave that a try. Mm-hmm. I think the difference here being that when you're – Drafting in that class toward the back, mm-hmm. there, it was a lot more guessing game. And, and we have four quarterbacks who, in Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, Josh Allen, and Baker Mayfield, who there is no guarantee that these guys are going to be a, a franchise-type player. But I think in that 
in that clump you have, um, and you could even potentially throw Lamar Jackson in that mix, have, I think, more talent and, and just um, a little bit more margin for error in terms of selecting one of these guys who can be a viable quarterback in the league. This is where I always wonder, what would have happened had the Broncos actually gotten Colin Kaepernick? You right. know, had they gotten him, maybe they they probably wouldn't have traded up to get Paxton Lynch. Would Colin still be playing? You know, what would have happened with everything regarding the protests? I mean, the entire face of the league would have changed completely Yeah, had he um, decided to come to Denver and yeah. had they worked out a deal with the 49ers. Like, to me, I think about that all the time, and maybe I think about it because every single year we're in this position where they're looking for a quarterback. And doesn't you know, it seem like the the post Manning era with quarterback has been like ten years? It just it's <laughs> lasted it, forever. It's been a revolving door of yeah. like tryouts for guys. Right, because we, we sit here out. and we can talk about like you know, and they probably do too. They have these plans on their board that make sense, right? Okay, right. like we sign a bridge guy, we get a quarterback, like it'll it'll work right. itself out. But it's just. There's so so much importance at that position, but also so right. much uncertainty that best laid plans can often just go haywire. Right, right. And, and I think each one shows the value of building around the guy. Um, right. they, they need to fix that offensive line. I mean, Kirk Cousins... No, you're right, too. And that, you got to build around them, too. you got to protect the guy, otherwise it's not going to end well. And you're, you're you know, destroying your... How hundred fifty million dollar right. possession there? Right. So yeah, that that's why I think if they do get Cousins, they they uh, either a, either a playmaker or right. um, uh, an offensive right. lineman has to be kind of the, the way they go first. It might be enticing to have that pick and to and, and to take another quarterback um, who you think is really great, but I just right. think. With how many other teams around you need quarterbacks, you might be able to, to get a haul in terms of some assets to build your team around the right. guy. That That's why I think it would be such, you know, it, it'd be a risk in terms of the money you're having to spend, but the mm-hmm. you can get assets back uh, based on the desperation that other teams are going to have um, that missed out mm-hmm. on Cousins to, to need to get their quarterback. Well, here's the other scenario. What do you – John Elway, we all know he loves his defense. Yeah. He's not afraid. If he sees a guy that's still on the board and he thinks he's going to be an elite defender, I mean, we saw it with Shane Ray, we saw it with Bradley Roby, you know, he'll he'll ignore the red flags that some people had on these guys going into the draft, and he'll nab them. And, you know, his defensive draft picks have panned out quite well yeah. um, overall. Could you see him in any scenario, if they get, like, her cousin's site, could you see him... Grabbing a defender? I can. Trading Um, back even and grabbing a defender? I can. I can see him trading back. Um, I can definitely see him trading back. Like, if they get Cousins, Mm -hmm. again, I think that number five pick is going to be such a enviable position for, like, teams like the Jets and the Cardinals behind Mm -hmm. Denver that they really need to get up and get a quarterback um, that would give you the opportunity to maybe collect two first-round picks Mm -hmm. um, in which you could use one on a lineman or playmaker and then certainly a guy to add to your defense. And I think, um, you know, there's a couple really good cornerbacks in this draft. And, again, this is kind of my fixation point for for Mm -hmm. the offseason, but if they get rid of Aqib Tlaib, which we know is a is a – a possibility. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll we'll just kind of leave it at that. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to need a third quarterback or right. cornerback. You need another guy in this league yeah. that's going to be on the field for eighty percent of defensive plays. Yeah, because when they when they had Bradley Roby, I mean, they gave him really four years to develop. Yeah, which you know you don't see at other positions, but you know they but had playing while developing. Right, you know, right. Like, but they had Akeem, Chris, and Bradley Roby. So the you know there wasn't a huge drop off right. from. 
Harrison to lead to Roby. But when you go from Harrison Roby down to Langley, or even you're, yeah, Marcus you're Rios. in trouble. Like yeah. I think Marcus Rios could be a great player, but he has very limited time under his belt already. So right. you need that. And that's an, that third cornerback position is essentially a starter. Absolutely. You need that. Yeah, and that, that's Van Joseph would say that all the yeah. time. Like they, They've always considered Roby a starter because right. you're on the field so much. And, yeah, and I think if you're going to be having a guy come in and be the third, they've either got to find somebody in free agency, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe a guy like, um, yeah, I don't, I don't even know who's out there. Joe Hayden would be too expensive if he gets cut. But there's guys out there at a, at a bargain rate that you know are at least dependable. Mm-hmm. Um, or, like you said, I, I do think that it would be possible. What if they, they sign Kirk Cousins and say, well, we got rid of Tlaib, so let's get let's get Minka Fitzpatrick, right. who might be like a sh- all pro shutdown yep. corner, you know, and then delay this thing of having to pay three cornerbacks for another yep. <laughs> three or yeah. four years, you know. So that's the thing. It's like mm-hmm. he said that he he doesn't want to take away from mm-hmm. a strength. He said that uh, right after the season is over. So that always leaves the possibility. Yeah. I think. I mean, I what's mean, your thought on that? I agree. I mean, despite all their needs on offense. Um, it would never, ever surprise me if John Elway just went for the best defensive guy in the draft because we know how much he cares about the defense. We know how relatively how good he is at picking defensive guys, right. which, you know, is still ironic to me given, you know, he's a Hall of Fame quarterback and his defensive picks have panned out so much better than the offensive picks. So it, it would never, ever surprise me. And I, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to it either. Right. I mean, if they get veteran help and free agency – I wouldn't mind seeing them go defense. You yeah. know, continue to bolster that. Continue to make that um, a, a strong piece to your team. Because if you have a great defense and a good quarterback, that's the formula they won Super Bowl 50 with. Right. I mean, Peyton Manning wasn't at his best that year by any stretch of the imagination, but he was still smart enough than most of the other quarterbacks that he could overcome the deficiencies of the line and the other issues on offense um, so those are the two big pieces in my mind. Right. Get your quarterback, make sure the defense is How frustrating would it, would it be if you, you get a guy like Kirk Cousins and all of a sudden you, you know, maybe you find another, you find a good playmaker in the middle rounds, maybe you, you get the next right. Alvin Kamara in the third or fourth round, all of a sudden you have some explosiveness on offense, but now you're getting torched in the secondary right. because you don't have a third cornerback. So it's just like, right. that's what, that's the balance of it that's, that is so difficult to draw because, um, you know these things. It's basically two different teams that you're trying to build, but the the resources mm-hmm. are all connected. And they they had a record-setting offense in 2013. They get blown out in the right. Super Bowl. So I think it's interesting. And John Elway mentioned this. Um, you know, he was <laughs> a little snarky about it with with DMac when it came up in their um, season-ending news conference about you know how he learns from years past. Mm-hmm. And I I think he does. And you know, we, we saw it in 2014 when he completely remade the defense um, after getting blown out in, in Super Bowl 48. I'm curious to see how, if at all, he changes his evaluation process, especially of quarterbacks. If he, um, you know, what maybe he learned from, um, you know, drafting Brock Osweiler and Zach Dysart and Paxton Lynch, what did he learn from each one that has kind of shaped his view going into this year's combine? That's what I'm curious to know is, how does each year um, change the next year? And do they change their process? Do they um, look at different things? Do they place more weight on certain things about prospects? Because I, I think you have to, and I, I've seen John Elway's office where he's got these binders of notebooks of evaluations of uh, draft prospects, free agents, their own players, and I'm always curious, you know, 
how much does he look back at that and yeah. what does he draw from that? Yeah, yeah, learning from your history, obviously. Yeah. A lot of teams, um, you know, get better doing that and, and he'll certainly have the opportunity. Um, we got a lot of great questions. We called out on Twitter for some questions. We're excited to kind of make this a, a, a part of our podcast uh, periodically. So we'll move into those now. Um, David Cromelo at DCROM NFL asks, why would Kirk Cousins want to come to Denver over the Vikings? Um, I think first of all, who knows? We don't know specifically what teams exact. I mean, we we have an idea of the teams that would be involved mm-hmm. in the Kirk Cousins sweepstakes. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we believe the Broncos will be teams like the Jets, perhaps the Browns, uh, teams with plenty of money to spend in that need. Um, the Vikings are an interesting case right now because mm-hmm. technically they have no quarterbacks uh, under contract, with the mm-hmm. ability then though to um, keep them in in place. And certainly, um, their choice could be to keep. Case Keenum and try to just um, tweak a few things to what was an excellent team mm-hmm. in 2017 and uh, continue to go forward that way and use mm-hmm. their resources um, to fix some some other issues. So to me, I, I don't think it's necessarily a foregone conclusion to just say that Minnesota is going to jettison all their let their quarterbacks all walk, go all in on Kirk Cousins. Certainly, that would be an appealing situation for Cousins. Um, but I just don't know if the Vikings are, are dead set on throwing everything into that basket. I could think of a few reasons why Denver would be appealing, not just to Cousins, but any quarterback. is. They still have a defense. Um, they might lose to Lee, but last year they had a defense that ranked in the top five in total yards, passing yards, rushing yards allowed. If they go after a high-priced veteran quarterback, they're probably going to keep Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, who are two technically – I mean – I think widely regarded as two elite receivers, and especially um, on one team, it's rare to have a one and two like that. Um, and I, I think history. I mean, they're still one of the NFL's marquee franchises. They're run by a Hall of Fame quarterback. And I think that's, you know, some people view that as, you know, what kind of pressure is that going to be working for that? I think that's an appeal because you you have a guy running a team who knows exactly what you need, what it's like to be in your shoes. I think that's a tremendous advantage for a quarterback um, coming in. And they have Gary Kubiak. They have a lot of former quarterbacks who have done this and been successful at it. Um, So I I think those are the three primary sticking points for me. And if they go after a high-priced quarterback, you know that their intention is to win now because they still have – you know, a, a good defense. We'll see kind of how it shapes in, in, in this offseason if they lose to leave or whatnot. Um, but, and they still have pieces on offense. Um, so if, they, if they're if they willing to spend that, it's a clear sign that, you know, we're, we're ready to win this now. We're right. not in, you know, rebuild mode. Right. And, and that, to me, is a good sign if I'm a quarterback. Because I don't, you know, I, I can't say it's it's – all that appealing to go into a situation thinking, well, it's going to take us four years before right. we win anything, right. you know. And, 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 and the NFL has shown time and time again, I mean, look, the Eagles just won the Super Bowl two years ago. They were, you know, they looked down and out. The Jaguars, the same thing, sure. looked in that. I mean, so, and then Kirk, Cousins even said that. He, the record, he, he said the record a team had this mm-hmm. year doesn't necessarily, um, mm-hmm. is not necessarily the biggest indicator of where they're going to go mm-hmm. because we've seen teams turn it around. And I think Minnesota offers some of those same things you talk about. Minnesota would also mm-hmm. offer, but we just don't we don't fully know what exactly it is that that mm-hmm. a guy's be looking for. So that that to me, um, I, I agree with you. I think there could be all kinds of different reasons. Maybe he, right. there maybe that relationship with Elway would be very appealing to a guy like Kirk Cousins. Right. We, 
you know, so we, we don't get to know everything that's going on in a, in a free agent sort of planning process often until after the fact. And then and sometimes, you know, Manning never really gave us a true, true idea of all the, all the right. things he was looking for. So I think there could be plenty of, plenty mm-hmm. of reasons. Here's our next question from Colin Daniels. He says, the Broncos won Super Bowl 50. Is it then reasonable for both the organization and its fans to allow a five-year turnaround, thus allowing for a rookie QB to start straight away, or is the pressure on, is the pressure on to win from now on? Uh, I think that's a really good question. I, I have a friend who is a, who is a diehard Broncos fan, and he told me, um, he's like, when we won this, or he's like, when, when the Broncos won the Super Bowl, um, he's like, I was good. He's like, I, I was gonna be okay. I'm not gonna get mad for like five years if they're if they're if they don't win. Like I'm gonna just take it and just remind myself every day about how great that Super Bowl win was. Um, and I think that's probably for some fans the, the case. But I also told him I don't think he's like. I think part, it's in the minority. I think he's in the minority. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and I'm like he's yeah. looking at this in maybe a rational way that um, you know most. It's just it's just not it's just not how this organization I think yeah. operates. It's and not how John Elway operates. Um, you know, I I always go back to the fact that you know Pat Bowen never used the word rebuild. Maybe he should have in some years, but he never used the word rebuild. Um, it was always in in his mind to always create a sustainable product. So you're always. Um, you know, bolstering your product so each year it is made to win somehow. Um, to me, I've the way I've seen John Elway is he wants to win now. He wants to win from now on too, but he wants to win now too, which is why I think they're in the chase for Kirk Cousins. You know, this is why he doesn't want to take a step back on defense. Um, you know, this is why he doesn't want to completely tear down it and start anew. I, you know, yes, I, I think in certain situations we do need to take a step back and say this is not going to be an immediate fix and John Elway kind of hinted at that in the news yeah. uh, season ending news conference like re- we really want this um, to work out it may not happen overnight you know that's that's fine but I think his every intention is to you know build a contender now right um, but you know going back to what I was saying earlier I think in some instances it is necessary like when you get a quarterback, he may not be the immediate starter. You know, he might need a year or two. Most do. Yeah. Um, you know, and some might need longer. Right. Um, right now, the Broncos don't have that luxury. They need somebody who would start, which is. Yeah, and it. But that's the interesting part of it is, um, you know, so say that you know they don't get Kirk Cousins, and then you look at look into the draft and say, well. This this guy might have to take a year or two to be ready, and as a rookie quarterback, we're not we're not going to win. Like right. we're not going to win. But what if that guy is eventually going to be a guy yeah. who is a stud in the NFL? Who is? What if is, he's Carson Wentz? The right, next Carson Wentz. Right. What yeah, if he's that guy that within yeah. a couple of years, you know? So there is that. I, I I you know, and I get the question. It makes good sense. Is there like, if you're going to go that route? Mm-hmm you do have to sacrifice a year or two of accepting the fact that you're not going to be a contender probably. Um, but maybe the payoff, it, right. so that's, that's the one thing. Sometimes it's yeah. like, it's hard to look ahead and see, well, the payoff could be, right. And I think part of that is the, the experience they had with their last first round pick right. is in Pax and Lynch. It's, you know, it's a, it's left a bad taste. Even Brock right. Oswald, our second round pick, you waited on these guys and then there wasn't the production. Right. And right. so it makes it kind of a scary prospect. I, I think both, 
both um, both approaches are gambles. Mm-hmm. I think when you go the draft route, it's more of a gamble because there are even more unknowns. I mean, John Elway said that himself. Yeah. And we've seen that, you know. We've seen that with his draft picks over the years, and we've seen how some of, most of his free agent picks have done much better on the whole. So, I mean, it, it's a hard balance. I think you have to just pick a, a route and go with yeah. it and commit to it because if you kind of waver, then you're you're dipping into both pools and it's just not going to go well. Yeah, which it, you could say is kind of what they've done the last yeah. two years. Yeah. It, it, it's like, you know, we talked about it a few minutes ago, but to have that plan um, and then it went haywire. But the first time you thought, Mark Sanchez, right. we have this bridge plan. Right. We draft the first rounder. Mark right. Sanchez is going to be starter, and then he does. He's not even on the team by the end of camp. And then this year, you know, there was um, obviously the Tony Romo speculation. But right. w- I mean, and you got to remind me after Tony Romo, it was kind of just that was when they sort of they, or had they? You think they are turned all along to the idea that it, it was just going to be these two guys more so than they had the year before? I don't. I don't think they were completely all in on Tony Romo as many expected them mm-hmm. to be. I think they were kind of kicking the tires on everything, but they kind of went into the combine and the offseason believing that they had two guys and they would likely add a third, which they did in Chad Kelly, who um, wasn't healthy enough to suit up. But, you know, I, they, they said all along in the combine, you know, we have two young quarterbacks that we feel good about. You know, obviously it didn't pan out, but that was their plan going in. I don't um, think we'll hear those words at the combine this year. I don't year. think so either. <laughs> I think, you know, I think they had really high hopes for Paxton. Yes, you could argue that he wasn't given much time to prove himself, but, um, you know, they didn't have much time anyway. I mean, mm-hmm. he had to come in and, you know, really show him something, and I don't think he did that. Um so I think he, he, there's a chance he might be back next year, um, and he'll get another year to kind of learn and develop, but that window may be closed as they kind of move on to finding their starter for now and the future. And draft one and potentially mm-hmm. uh, at some point in the draft. No, that's that's a good good discussion because it, it could certainly go uh, each way. Um, this one's from Scott Malloy. Um, beyond QB, what positions could be improved most if the Broncos trade back and pick up a couple top 50 selections. And we, we talked about that mm-hmm. a little bit, the idea that if, if they were to sign Kirk Cousins in free agency, that the the teams behind them being so desperate to get a quarterback themselves would have some big offers, kind of mm-hmm. like we saw um, you know, San Francisco do last year to be, get got mm-hmm. the guy they want in, picked up some, some mm-hmm. assets. Um, th- that's a great question. Um, it, again, I, I think we mentioned it, the ability if they have two first-round selections or, or whatever it might mm-hmm. be to, to – Build around the offensive line, I think mm-hmm. would be would be priority number one. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's a, a pretty fair amount after after only two first round offensive linemen went last year. One of them being Garrett Bowles. Um, there, there's there's seemingly more uh, options in the first mm-hmm. round this year. So that that's kind of my thought. That that would be the yeah. number one area that if if they tr- traded back, that doesn't mean you would trade back and use both of your theoretical first round mm-hmm. picks on offensive linemen, but certainly. Mm-hmm. Certainly use one of those at least. I would, yeah, I would like to see him get a guard. Um, get a guard, put him in Max Garcia's spot, or put him in Ron Leary's spot and let Leary shift over to Max's side. So it's um, Bowles, Leary, Paradis, this new guy, and then try to get a veteran tackle and, ma- and use Menelik as a swing guy. Um, I think that would be a drastic improvement over what they have. I still would really like to see them get an offensive playmaker. I mean... 
They need a tight end. We have Jake. They have Jake Butt coming up, but they they still don't know much about him yet because he's been on IR. Right. Um, they hope he really pans out and becomes a playmaker. They've sorely needed on that side, but they need a third receiver. Yeah. Um, and I know they think highly of Devonte Booker, but they might look for additional help, especially if they get rid of CJ um, at running back. So. Yeah, all, all over. Any anywhere on offense. Yeah, I think you can is point. Very and, and shoot, even and and we've mentioned a little bit before, but even even defense. Yeah. I mean, look at the Get idea that um, that yeah. you know another cornerback or inside linebacker, inside linebacker could linebacker, certainly yeah. be a position that they have to improve. Yeah. Find we talked last week about the need to find another pass rusher after yeah. um, failing to really have a solid guy after Vaughn, who was getting yeah. after the quarterback last year. We don't know. Um, you know how Derek Wolf is going to return from some of the injuries um, that he's he's dealt with the past couple of years. So there's a lot. I mean mm-hmm. that that they could that they could do. And, and I'm writing tomorrow about the fact that um, uh, some of the wide receivers to look at in the mid rounds. There's a lot of talent mm-hmm. there, especially at kind of the slot level that they just really haven't yeah. been able to to replicate yeah. ever since Wes Walker left. Yeah, they need um, a McCaffrey type, honestly, yeah. a guy yeah. who can help in. Um, you know, three different areas at back and slot and right. in the return game. Yeah, and, yeah. They talked know. about wanting to add a Swiss Army knife for a while. Yeah. We just haven't. Well, they know. thought they did. Yeah. And Isaiah McKenzie. Right. And, that didn't well, pan out. That's why I said. I mean, between their two draft picks at wide receiver last year, they had a total of four catches for twenty nine yards. Right. Carlos Henderson, the third round pick, obviously didn't even play, mm-hmm. and Isaiah McKenzie's rookie rookie season was a disappointment. So. Yeah, I, I agree. There, there's all kinds of yeah. of avenues, so it's it's uh it's Take hard to, it's hard to pick just one. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, let's see. Let's go with um, Chris Chris Bem and Chris. I apologize if I pronounced your last name wrong. He said, "But would you trade the number five overall pick to the Bills for number twenty for the number twenty one and number twenty two picks? Um, those picks and Tyrod Taylor." Um, you know, I, I I don't see my only. My, I think it depends. Yeah, there, there's so yeah. yeah, there's a lot there's a lot going on there in right. terms of whether um, you know Tyrod Taylor would even be with the Bills at that point. Right. You know, he, right. he could be released and and already be on a different team yeah. by that point. So that it's kind of um, that's you, a question I'll I'll answer yeah, after yeah. But, free agency. But I will say again, we 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 we've discussed yeah. it several times now. But I, I I would think, and it this is this is sort of always the case i mean we've seen we've seen the broncos several times trade up in the draft mm-hmm. to get a player they want so it's not unrealistic to think mm-hmm. that they would they would go the other way um holding a top five pick to be able to to add some some assets mm-hmm. um and here's one from um at nbd underscore run does it seem like there is pressure from the locker room to sign a veteran quarterback instead of shooting for the upside of a rookie quarterback in the draft Elway mentioned wanting to give Vance the best opportunity mm-hmm. opportunity to be successful. Does that imply favoring a veteran QB for early returns? I don't I don't know that pressure is the right word, but I think a lot of the players have made it very clear that they expect Elway to go after a veteran and that they would prefer it because, I mean, Brandon Marshall said it very clearly at an interview with NFL Network not too long ago where they've tried the draft route and it just hasn't worked. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I don't know if pressure is the right word, but it's certainly a preference. Yeah. And again, like, um, I'll just throw the caveat that this this position that they would be in now to select a quarterback is more favorable than where they've selected quarterbacks before. Uh, but certainly, like we you just said, the, the draft is more of a risk because there's not that body of work that, that that's shown. 
Um, I don't I don't think Von Miller is commenting about rainbows and cereal on Kirk Cousins' Instagram page if he doesn't want to play with a veteran quarterback. I think guys, mm-hmm. guys as they get a little bit on into their careers, have that sense of their football mortality. Like they they start to understand how long they have in the game. Um, you know that they they especially a team like the Broncos and so many veterans who will still be in that locker room next year who have tasted the ultimate success. Why would they want, especially now after missing the playoffs two years in a row, why would they want anything to do with having to wait and, and continue to, to be patient toward that? So, um, yeah, it, I think it's only natural that veterans have a lot of weight. Right. So, um, let's see. I, so, huh? One more. Yeah, I think, actually, I think that, um, I think that went through. I think that went through most of the questions. So we really appreciate everybody. Um, asking questions and uh, yeah so if you guys if you really appreciate the, all the people who have listened to this podcast you can sub- subscribe to the pod um, on, on iTunes Stitcher and, and all, all the major uh, podcast apps and be sure to keep it locked into denverpost.com slash Broncos Nikki and I will both be in Indianapolis next week um, and we'll have wall to wall Broncos combine coverage for you so again thanks for joining us and we'll talk to you soon <laughs>